Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. It's the sound you've waited months to hear. It's caused some of your greatest triumphs. Biggest heartbreaks. History made by Appalachian State. They win an unprecedented third straight national championship. It's the option at Georgia Tech. It's Howard's Rock. The smoke in Miami. And every Saturday, you tap that sign. And Appalachian State has done it again. The wait is over. College football is here. It's the tap that sign for me. At that point, that's when I'm just like full-blown, ready to rock when he says Head explodes. The energy builds up. Boom. Yeah. What? We'll play like a champion today. That's right, man. All right, here we go. Team Week continues. The Appalachian State defense. What can they do? Because, quite frankly, Walker Mail, they're going to need a lot of help. They weren't very good last year, and they had some losses at some key places. But let's run down the statistics just to give you a little bit of a blueprint. The defense was ninth in the Sun Belt, giving up around 27 points per game. They were fifth in yards allowed, ninth in defensive efficiency, eighth in sacks by seven interceptions, which was dead last in the Sun Belt, seventh in red zone defense, and 12th in third down conversion defense. And that stat right there is the killer. If you can't get off the field on third down, you're not going to be a very good defensive football team. But they've got some guys coming back and also some big transfers coming in. They got Sean Collins, a defensive end from Rutgers. They got Michael Fletcher, a defensive end from Michigan State. They got Jared Paul, a safety from Kansas. Tyler Funderburk, a cornerback from Richmond, whom they're really counting on. And this is a unit when I brought up the interceptions That's normally the name of their game. They've had 123 since 2015, and that's ranked third nationally in that span behind only Iowa and San Diego State. The linebackers are definitely going to be young. They have Andrew Parker back. He was second on the team in tackles, 60 tackles for him, three and a half tackles for loss. As I said, Tyreek, excuse me, Funderburk is a corner they came in from Richmond that they're going to be depending on Nick Ross, the team's leading tackler at safety. Listen, if a safety is your leading tackler, something is afoot. But he is back, and they will need him. Ronald Clark is also back there with him as well. So, yeah, so that's an overview of the App State defense defensively, and uh, they've got a lot that they need to get better at if they want to be more competitive in 2023. Well, and it got off to an awful start, right? They played North Carolina. They lose 63-61, to and Drake May in that North Carolina offense just goes nuclear in the second half. So that was crazy. They, in the big moments, did not stand up. And then you look at some of the other losses. They allowed 32 points to James Madison. They allowed 36 to Texas State. 
They allowed 35 to Coastal Carolina and 28, both of those on the road, the last one to Marshall. And then they gave up 51 points in a double uh, double overtime outing against Georgia Southern in their last outing of the regular season. Now, a couple of these games were on the road, and that's where they struggled as the season went on, as evidenced also by the 36 points they allowed to Texas State. At home, they were much better after that North Carolina game at the beginning of the season. So we'll see if they can start to balance that out a little bit more as their team goes into this year. Can they play as well as they did at home for the most part and replicate that on the road? They're also bringing in a new play caller, Wes. Yes. So this is a new change for them. They've got something different. They're going to be bringing in uh, somebody that is a little familiar, Scott Sloan, who helped App State rise to prominence. When you had that transition to the Division I level, he was there from 2010 to 2017. So you're bringing back a familiar face. And it's not just because he's familiar with the program you're bringing him back. This guy was very good. His defense is at Georgia Southern, going to a rival, by the way. It included a 2020 squad that was number one in the country for interceptions. So you're really going to see if this App State team can take a page from that book that Sloan had of Georgia Southern, even if the secondary is a little bit questionable this year, despite some transfers coming in, can you have that turnover margin back in your favor where you're just taking the football away? That will go a long way, especially to help the pass rush where you're depending on some new guys to step up. Yeah, a lot of new guys, as we said, on that defense. And so this is a uh, a division and a league for them that in the Sun Belt, you're going to face some really great talent. I mean, Marshall returns Rasheen Ali, who was a guy who ran for over 1,400 yards the previous year. He missed most of 2022. Then you're talking about that they also have a defense that led the Sun Belt in fewest points per game at 16 and only gave up 4.6 yards a snap. Then you've got James Madison, who you're also going to be looking up at. They led the Sun Belt in scoring at 37 points per game. Now, they do have some key players that they have to replace, including at quarterback. But this App State defense is going to have to be a unit that's going to have to step up because we talked about yesterday. They're still not 100% sure what they're going to do at quarterback. They've got some good skill talent coming back that is experienced. But this is a defense that's definitely going to need to help the young quarterback that they have to develop early, give the ball back to him at times because you look at that seven interceptions, man, that's just not cutting it. A defense especially needs to be opportunistic, and if you can't get off the field on third downs, you're going to need something to flip the tables on the other team. So You're going to have to be able to get some turnovers in some capacity. Well, and I say the secondary is a little questionable. I really should be specific and say cornerback is a little questionable, but it doesn't mean that they're not going to be good. You mentioned Tyreek Funderburg coming over as a solid veteran corner. So if their corners can hold up, the safeties are studs, and it starts with Nick Ross, man. Like that guy led the team in stops last year. Ronald Clark, also somebody that can run alongside him and they can do a great job. Jordan Favors could be a team that it could be the guy that leads this team in tackles. So if your safeties, especially with Nick Ross, can help in coverage and maybe even help those linebackers, because I think if you go to the outside, you have some transfers going out of the program from this past season. So if the safeties can come up and help make plays, maybe in the running game, if they get past the defensive line or if the quarterback of the opposition wants to attack the intermediate area, maybe that's where the safeties can play real aggressive coming up. If your corners can hold 
cold. So I think that's what you're looking at. The guys on the outside, can you cover wide receivers well enough one-on-one with minimal or not as much safety help? They'll be able to do it. But if you are getting beat in the intermediate area, maybe your safeties can come up and help if your corners can hold their own on the outside. That's what's going to be interesting. But with Sloan being your defensive coordinator, working wonders with the turnover margin, man, I think they're going to bounce back pretty well this season. I really like what they have. Yeah, and so when you look at it, too, another thing that helped them was being able to force fumbles. They were in the top 30 nationally last year in forcing fumbles, and so that was something uh, that helped this crew out. They were top 30 nationally in forced fumbles. Fumbles recovered. And so you look at that, and so that's something that you can build on. But this is a unit that needs to be opportunistic. I mean, last year, their opponents fumbled 21 times. They lost 13. App State fumbled 12 times, but they only lost five. And this was a team that when they did get interceptions, I mean, they they did pretty good, you know. So they would get pretty good returns on that one. So, uh this is just a defense that's going to be under new leadership, a lot of new parts. And so do you think that, though, when you, when you look at everything in its totality, that this defense on its surface is going to hurt the team more, especially in the interim because of so many new parts with a new defensive coordinator? Do you think that's a recipe for a slow start? No, I, I actually think this is a very welcomed change to have this new defensive coordinator come in because you do get the best of both worlds. And I know how y'all App State fans are. Y'all do like keeping it within the family when you hire different coaches. Even if Eli Drinkwitz does come over and have a very successful one season, you did like the Sean Clark hire. We'll see if that remains true after what was a 500 season last year. But Clark needed to make changes offensively and defensively, and that's exactly what he did, specifically defensively. And this is somebody coming over that knows the area really well and is going to help in a major area that you struggled in last year. As we talk about those interceptions, man, that's going to help your offense so much, especially if the name of the game is going to be keeping the ball on the ground, having a really strong rushing attack, which is something you expect. And so, okay, if you can win the possession more often than not, and then you can go ahead and, and force turnovers with your defense, keep the ball in your hands on offense, I think that is a recipe for success with this App State team. I expect them to win more than the six games they did last year. We won't give our final predictions until the end of team week, just like we did with ECU last week. But I think App State bounces back pretty nicely, and I think it starts with the major overhaul on defense. Yeah, and when you look at these guys last season, their record when they gave up 10 or fewer points, they were undefeated. When they gave up 11 to 19 points, they were undefeated. But then it got a little sketchy. When they gave up over 20 points, they were one and six uh, last season. And so when you look at that schedule, especially early on, you definitely point to that North Carolina game and they're going to be on the road this time. I mean, do you think that Drake May is just going to eviscerate them again? Because that was in a way his, his coming out part. When you look at just the fact of the numbers he put up, the plays that he was making, I remember one throw when he hit, I believe, the tight end. He zipped that thing in into bracket coverage. But uh, do you think that that they're going to have just a a really, really difficult time, especially early on with a North Carolina and an East Carolina in there? Yeah, I mean, those are those are monster games to start off. And so I guess when we look at the schedule, we'll talk a little bit about the beginning of the season. Are you going to be able to get past a one or two of those losses and get back on track? Because North Carolina 
on the road and ECU, even if that game is at home. Those are going to be monster games. I saw an article on uh, ESPN discussing how that ECU App State matchup is one of the bigger group of five matchups in all of college football. Oh, and it's happening at the beginning of your season on September 16th at 3.30. Then you have to travel on the road for a couple of games. Then when you come back home, you get Coastal Carolina. And it gets a tough schedule for them, the way that this thing starts out. So, you can feel good about App State, like I do, about them bouncing back. But yeah, it gets off to a rough start, especially with a couple road games after tough in-state games that they have in North Carolina and ECU, the first three contests that they have. Yeah, and so I'm going to look at a guy like a Sean Collins that they brought in from Rutgers. I think he's going to be huge for them uh, this season because he had 28 tackles, five and a half tackles for loss and four sacks uh, at Rutgers. So they're going to need him to be able to step in immediately and, and be able to produce for them. And then Michael Fletcher, he was a little used uh, defensive end at Michigan State, but he was there for four seasons. He had three sacks, four tackles for loss, and 31 tackles in 22 career games. And so this is a guy you like the size, 6'6", 260, and also the size on Sean Collins, 6'5", 250, man. So these are two guys that they're definitely going to need to come in immediately and make an impact. Last thing I'll say about Scott Sloan, who I think very highly of, he's going to really help with recruiting. He was doing a good job as the program's recruiting coordinator. His last stint helped sign some pretty highly regarded classes, the first being in 2012. You had some NFL players in those mixes and the numbers. It was evident how good he was at, one, not only getting the talent, but also making the most of the talent that he did bring into that program the first seven, eight years that he was with App State. So I really like that they were able to go get Sloan. I think App State fans should be very happy about it, and it does seem like they are. Yeah, I think that they are, too. And when you look at a breakdown, College Football News listed their 10 best players. And when you look at their top 10, three of those guys are on the defensive side because another defensive end uh, that we didn't talk much about that they're going to be counting on is DeAndre Dingle Prince. And then, as I said, you have uh, Nick Ross is labeled as their best player. And then you have the linebacker, Andrew Parker. So App State's definitely got its hands, uh, got its work cut out for them as far as what they're going to have to deal with in the Sun Belt. So we'll see if they can get that defense with all those new parts together, new defensive coordinator. It's going to be interesting up there on the mountain. But when we come back on the Wesson Walker Show, we're going to talk some LaMelo Ball. He spoke today at a press conference. What? Did he say that and more? This is the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say... They're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Wesson 
Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We appreciate you joining us on this fine Wednesday. You can text us 704-570-9610. Again, the number is 704-570-9610. We had LaMelo Ball speak to the press today. Packed house at the Spectrum Center. Seeing some pictures right now. I don't see an empty seat, and they had it right in front of the team store. So anytime they bring out the stage for Mitch Kupchak or the draft picks, or in this case, LaMelo Ball to speak, and they bring it out right in front of the team store, you know, there's a lot of people interested. Now, I didn't see anything very interesting that LaMelo said. Of note. But there was one thing, I guess. He did say that the decision wasn't really hard on signing the rookie max extension. The only thing to go into that is the fact that there's been so much outside noise yes. about whether LaMelo really wanted to stay here in Charlotte and that maybe this would be the first time that LaMelo or any rookie, I should say, would turn down that kind of money, money that the Hornets can offer him, that only the Hornets can offer him, way more than any other franchise. Would there ever be a rookie to turn down that kind of dough? People were pointing to LaMelo as a possibility. And it didn't even seem like it had any traction, Wes. Not any. Zion, legit question. Because maybe he didn't like it as much in New Orleans and he wanted to go somewhere else. Luka Doncic. Rick Carlisle out as the head coach, despite being one of the better basketball minds considered. One of the better basketball minds in the NBA. Rick Carlisle didn't necessarily get along as much. There was some front office dispute there. Luka a little frustrated, especially with how the Jalen Brunson thing turned out. So Luka, there might have even been a little bit of a question. But nobody's done it because it's too much money. Wes, there wasn't any question whatsoever. As soon as the date, as soon as it took place where he was eligible to sign it, done. Okay, yeah, I'm staying here. 260 if I make an all-NBA team? Cool. Over 200 if I don't? Cool. Let's get this thing done. Not a hard decision. And now, if you like it, if you don't like it, it doesn't matter. All of us LaMelo Ball fans and all of us Charlotte Hornets fans, we got to hold hands and see this thing through together because he's staying here for the long term according to this contract. Yeah, well, that's one of the benefits of the NBA putting that rule in that your home team can offer you the most money because let's just be honest here. It is very difficult to turn down that kind of Skrilla, okay? You have to be a special type of human being, have some type of vault full of gold that you can swim in like Scrooge McDuck. Or dumb. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> or you, dumb. Smart, or yeah, you to be able to turn down dumb. 200 million, man, I don't care who you are. So uh, not surprised by that at all. I'm definitely happy for LaMelo, definitely happy he's staying here. And I think he does like the fact that this is his team and that he has a chance to build a legacy here with this franchise because everybody wants to speculate on the, the L.A. teams and things of that nature. But it's like if he goes there, yeah, he could create a legacy, but he's going to be just another great player in a long line of them. And so I think that he wants to see – what he can be able to do with this franchise. And I think if they put the right guys around him, that could be a lot. Well, and it's a significant move because it is so much money, but also we're talking about the richest contract, the wealthiest contract given out to any player. I mean, we can talk about Larry Johnson, Alonzo Mourning, but the money has changed 30 years after what kind of contracts those guys were talking about signing. And so now LaMelo, he's the only person the only player since this rule hit that allowed the team to draft the special player to keep them because you could offer them over $200 million. It's the first time the Charlotte Hornets have had a chance to use it. 
because they haven't drafted very well. Now, it still takes a special player to get this kind of money. It's not like every team is just handing these things out left and right. Sure. But it's a special deal. So huge moment with the Charlotte Hornets going forward because it's either going to pay off. Maybe you trade them at this kind of like who knows what is you know coming up for them in the next five years as long as this contract. But it's a monster deal. Now, Mitch Kupchak was also speaking again today. He spoke with Miles Bridges yesterday. He was also at the podium again with LaMelo Ball. Perhaps some more interesting stuff from Mitch, who is great. Uh, I'm trying to remember the one soundbite that he had, if you don't mind playing it. I know we have that sounder of him and his excellent job of articulating some of his thoughts in one of the other recent press conferences. Can you play that for us? Well, everything that we, you know, every answer they got, we got to every, every question. Yeah, he's got away with words, Mitch Kupchak. So here he is talking again today alongside LaMelo Ball. He said he thinks this team is very close to being a playoff team. He said, quote, I think we can be a playoff team this year. I think the talent is in the system. He also said, I don't think there's a major area that needs to be addressed. He did mention ball handling and a vet point guard to bring in. What do you make of some of those comments? Well, I definitely do think that they need to find a a good backup point guard because if there's anything and any type of uh, flaws that you want to find with young Melo is that he has been on the injury report far more than we would like for him to be. And so I think that they need to find a solid backup, a guy that's capable of of coming in and, and taking care of that. And then just LaMelo just continuing to mature, taking care of the basketball, not making some of the decisions. But I think that's just something you're going to have to live with when you have a point guard that has as flashy of a game as LaMelo does. We know he's going to get on a break and he's going to want to go for the spectacular. We know that if he gets a free run to the bucket and he can find an open teammate, he's probably going to not make the fundamental pass at times. He's going to give him something fancy on the dish. And so uh, I think those are things that can still be cleaned up. But as far as it goes, just, uh, you know, with those things, I, I think that's that's something that you could point to. So they're going to need to find some help in the backcourt for those times where you have to just account for the fact that he's going to miss games. Now, maybe you didn't hear it because Fitty's mic was off. But as soon as I said that, he I said, I heard him. Oh, <laughs> it's kind of high pitch. Oh, why'd you say that, Fitty? What stood out to you? It's It's almost like you should have brought back Dennis Smith Jr., who... Left for, was it one year? Was it two and a half million dollars? That's exactly right. You're telling me they can afford to give LaMelo Ball a, a contract that could be worth up to $260 million, but two and a half million dollars for a guy that came in and made an immediate impact, was a good culture guy for a locker room that needs some good culture and it was some of the guys that you have on your roster. And you said, you know what? We're going to let that guy walk. And then you have the audacity three weeks later to say, yeah, we need a veteran ball handler. The audacity. Yeah. There was the report from Michael Scotto who said that Dennis Smith Jr. was offered more than the vet minimum to come back with Charlotte. So there was that report from Scotto that said the Hornets did make Dennis Smith Jr. an offer, but that he liked his potential role with the Nets a little bit more. So that's why I decided to sign a two and a half year deal. Now, I don't know if that's 100 percent true because we didn't hear anything like that from Dennis Smith Jr. The thing that he had to say about that was the Nets made him a priority and he liked that. So if if you offered him more than the vet minimum, let's say you offered him three and a half million. Could he could he have been disrespected by them extending the qualifying the qualifying offer to T. Mal- or to Maladon as a way to say they prioritize him more than 
I don't I don't think so. I think that's just normal business. Now, I thought you were going to go with could he have felt disrespected because the Nets made him more of a priority than the Hornets did. Maybe that's the case. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think Teo had anything to do with it just because you wanted to have control over Teo. And so you extend the qualifying offer to him and you see what happens. But with the Dennis Smith Jr. thing, it's disappointing. I, I'm a little less disappointed if they truly did offer him more than two and a half million. But if they didn't, then yeah, the rage comes back because you're right, Fiddy. It would have been nice to bring him aboard, especially with the kind of guy he was. And he legitimately helped on the court, too. Mm-hmm. This isn't just some... You know, God bless him, Bismack Biombo thing where he's only helping in the locker room. He was helping on the court defensively. Well, yeah, but he did kind of tail off towards the end of the season. And some of the injuries hit. Yeah, and then he's only shooting 21% from three for the year, following up a season where he only shot 22%. So in the NBA, I'm going to need my point guard to be able to shoot. I don't know if he was enough of an offensive threat. So I could kind of see why maybe you don't bring him back, but I think they do need to go out and find a quality backup. Um, What do you think about the whole play? playoff takes that he had that he thinks they're close to being a playoff team right now and he thinks that he they could be a playoff team that they have the talent within the organization there's a lot of hesitance to commit to them being a playoff team which is fine i don't want you guaranteeing any playoff spot you're gonna you're gonna look like a fool at the end of the season if you don't make the postseason but they brought back miles bridges after last year okay the, the the year where they had a roster that looked a lot like this is when they won 43 games under James Borrego, made it to the play-in tournament, and got beat down for the second straight year. So, 43-win team, good enough to get into the play-in tournament. They have the awful year because of all of the injuries. Miles Bridges doesn't play one possession because he turned himself in to be arrested for felony domestic violence, and then he pleaded no contest. We know his deal. But he will be back at least after the first 10 games of this upcoming season. So now you have an older Gordon Hayward, Miles Bridges, LaMelo Ball. You don't even have Kelly Oubre right now, and I haven't heard anything about him coming back. Let's remember you don't have PJ, who had his best year on that 43-win team because it better served his role. Do you think that this is a playoff team, even without PJ? Because to me, I just don't buy it. I don't. I think the injuries hurt them a lot last year. I expect them to win more than 27 games. But every time somebody says, yeah, the Hornets are going to make the playoffs, it was all because of the injuries. I implore you to look at the teams in the Eastern Conference. I implore you to look at the teams that were in the play-in last year, like the Miami Heat, who got to the NBA Finals. I don't know if you can be so confident, man, even with Miles coming back. And even with the injury luck, hopefully not being as bad as it was last year. What type of playoff team are we talking here? Are we talking you tell play-in? Me. You tell me. All right. Because so, that's not playoff. Because play-in is not playoff okay. unless you win a couple of games. So top eight is what we're saying. At the end of the day, when the playoffs start officially at the play-in, can they be in the mix? Well, um, I think it's possible. Now, I'm not going to say it's a shoe Sounds in, a lot like Mitch Kupchak. But I think, <laughs> all right. I will go out on a limb and I will say yes. Well, no, it's it's fine. I'm not. Yeah. This is not one of those things where I'm demanding you be. Okay, definitive. right, 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 right. This is just Mitch Kupchak. You know, I, I think we can. From be what, like, but from, what did you do? From what from what they from what we saw from this team two years ago, I think that uh, as constructed, they were a team that that they were right there in a lot of games that they lost. They were able to get in there as a play-in team. Now you bring in Coach Clifford, who specializes in defense. I think if they can manage to buy in defensively and at least 
be kind of half of what they were towards the end of the season as a unit. I think you look at that team, you have a rim protector now, Mark Williams. You've got a, a, a great young player coming off of the bench more than likely in Brandon Miller. You've got Miles coming back now, and I think that's going to be a key wild card in all this. What does he look like after a year off? But if you can have a healthy Hornets team as constructed, I mean, get 65% of the games out of Gordon Haywood, I think they can get in. I mean, they're deep. It's just, to me, a matter of buying in defensively uh, for this team, and I think that they can manage to get one of those at, at minimum seven or eight. The problem is the messaging. Because what did Mitch Kupchak say at his end-of-season press conference? We're not going to be players in free agency. We're not going to go big game hunting. We're going to run it back at a draft pick or three because they, they use a lot of their draft picks mm -hmm. and see where we stand. So, like, if I'm a Hornets fan and, and my GM is sending that message, at that point, wouldn't you want him to be more confident? Like, I'd much rather them come out and say it's playoffs or bust for this roster and for Steve Cliff or not. Well, yeah, I think we can. Well, if, if if you only think you can be a playoff team, shouldn't you have done more to make that more of a, of, of a certainty? Well, I was going to say, let's ask ourselves at this moment, besides a, a backup point guard for LaMelo, what do you feel like is missing, the missing ingredient right now? What, what do you feel like is missing? Well, I think PJ would help. I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, I think that the scoring is going to come back with LaMelo. Hopefully he plays more than 36 games. Gordon Hayward... It feels like he's getting worse by the year just because that's how old dudes age. That's just how it's going to be for Gordon unless you're LeBron James or one of these super duper stars. Yeah. But that's not with Gordon. He's already had a little bit of a health risk here. I don't know what to expect from Miles. I think defensively stretching out the floor, helping out on the perimeter a little bit more. Yeah, I think that's what you need. And honestly, it's what PJ would come in and do. Backup point guard. Mitch Kupchak is right about that. Like, I would want some point guard death because we tried Terry at the point. It's not his role, okay? He needs to be a combo guard, looking to chuck that thing from the perimeter, get back to a healthy enough two-point percentage. That's what you need. And then hopefully these other guys can take that next step, internal improvement from Mark Williams, which I expect. Internal improvement from LaMelo, staying healthy, but also hopefully finishing better at the rim, getting better defensively in those areas as well. But when we look at the Eastern Conference, right, I just I want to paint this picture for everyone. One through five seed, Milwaukee, Boston, Philadelphia, Cleveland, New York. Those are just flat out good basketball teams. Just solidly, I feel very good saying that those are good basketball teams that didn't lose anything except for Philly with maybe James Harden. But if you have Joel but they're going to get something good if they trade him anyway. So they still, you expect them to stay in contention. Miami finished as the eight seed when it was all said and done. We know Miami didn't lose anything. If they do, it will be with Damian Lillard yeah, probably, probably coming Lillard. in return. Atlanta was the seven seed. They just locked up DeJounte Murray. Atlanta, they have, well, one, one thing I'll say is they have Quinn Snyder, who is a really good basketball coach when we saw what he did with Utah. So Atlanta's going to be up there. Spence wrote in about Orlando. Like, yeah, Orlando's coming. They're coming for sure, but they're not there yet. I like the Hornets' roster better than Atlanta's. Well, they have two guys that you feel good about with Trey and DeJounte Murray. They did get rid of John Collins. They have DeAndre Hunter, who I think, you know, he's got a big contract as well. Clint Capella is still going to be their center, so he's still solid enough. Yeah, maybe, but it's going to be dicey either way. It's going to be dicey. And I think that's where we go back to this offseason. I guess, you know, maybe one guy that we're overlooking here is your rookie and Brandon Miller. Mm -hmm. How much does he help as 
a higher draft pick than anybody else in the Eastern Conference had? Can he come in and help you right away? Because even if you go to Wembenyama in the West, Scoot Henderson in the West, Amen Thompson in the West on a bad team anyway, Asar, he goes to Detroit. Detroit, they're still one of the and, tanking teams. And Nick teams. Smith's a guy I think could end up off the bench too being a, a bucket for you and being a guy that can help out. It's not impossible. I don't feel great about it. That's what I'll say about their chances of making the playoffs. Maybe we can get to some Brandon Miller sound, too. Let's do it right now. We have a couple minutes. Let's go to Brandon Miller, who has been in the news also. I did want to play this sound because he did join Paul, uh, not Paul Pierce, Paul George, his goat, on the Podcast P uh, podcast. And he also had a TikTok video. (laughs) It was circulating on social media. And he couldn't tell when he was doing these filters of making his own basketball team. There was one pretty prominent NBA player that he didn't recognize. Let's have that sound bite ready to go. Did you have it? Yeah. Okay, cool. Let's play it. Here's Brandon Miller saying how much he loves to troll the media when people were asking if he really knew Chris Middleton or not. Now, you also made some waves over the last couple of days with a TikTok video that was circulating. You didn't know who Chris Middleton was? Tell me what happened. Um, I know who Chris Middleton is. Um, I, you know, I think I think I think people should have more fun um, in the NBA instead of just you know always serious. Um, I think I can bring the the fun back to the game. Now he did tell me guys beforehand that he was intentionally trolling, right? Yes, I, I troll the media for fun. Um, so if, you know, if you take it, you know, laugh at it. You know, don't 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 be don't be that guy about it. Just you know, laugh at it. Maybe repost it. You know, I'll repost it if you repost it. I'm cool with the personality. Like I guess I just don't get the joke. Like I don't. <laughs> Do you believe him? Yeah. I mean, I know he talked about how guys are so serious and he's trying to bring the comedy back. So he must be kin to uh, David Tepper. Is that right? He's going to bring the comedy back to Charlotte. Maybe Brandon Miller can bring music back to Charlotte. My question is, yeah, do you think that he really was joking about this or did he truly not know who Chris Middleton or Jonas Valanciunas was? Uh, in that video, Valanciunas, I could believe Chris Middleton, maybe not so much, but uh, you know, I do like the fact that we're finally getting to see some of his personality, though, and you can see that he's just like he acts his age. I mean, he's a kid, you know. He is, he is a kid. Um, all right, we can talk a little bit more about Brandon Miller a little bit later on. Let's get to a Fitty Flash. Go ahead, Fitty, what you got for us? <sighs> I'm going to talk a little baseball here with you guys. It was a historic night in Major League Baseball as we saw offensive numbers we have not seen in over 129 years as 12 teams scored double-digit runs. And there were three games that finished with the final score of 11-10, to 10, including my Mets beating Walker's White Sox 11-10. to 10. You had the Giants beating the Reds 11 to 10, and you had the Royals beating the Tigers 11 to 10. And then in Atlanta, the Diamondbacks, they outslugged the Braves 16 to 13. But the 12 teams, you had 12 teams score double digit runs, which ties a mark from May 30th all the way back in 1884. And is the second most on a uh, in a single day of baseball history, trailing only 13 teams scoring double-digit runs on July 4th, 1894. So there was a lot of offensive output across Major League Baseball last night, and luckily my Mets 
benefited from such. Yeah. I have a question. Oh, go ahead. No, Russ. you go ahead. Well, my question is, I just want to know a little bit more about my White Sox here, Fitty, from a baseball connoisseur in this day and age. Is there any hope for them to get things back on track? <laughs> Not this season, but maybe in the next couple, because I saw some pundits out there hypothesize that the White Sox actually could win the World Series this season with all the talent, and it's not even coming close to that. Yeah, uh, Tim Anderson has gone a full year since his last home run, which kind of seems problematic. Love Tim Anderson, too. I would argue fire your rookie manager, hire Don Mattingly, and start over. Okay. And I saw uh, all of the scores uh, this morning, and I was like, man, that's a heck of a lot of scoring. And I was like, what is going on? Fitty, a baseball purist like yourself, do you enjoy seeing days like this, or do you just write it off as just an anomaly or what do you think of all the scoring? Uh, I mean, I, I think it's fun. I mean, I, I think you like seeing good offense. I, I come from a franchise that values pitching, so I like to see good pitching, but you know what? When they play 884 games a yeah, year, man. you need some of these nights every now and you again. You definitely do. It's true. It's true. 100%. <laughs> all right, let's move on to Fitty's favorites. Favorite cakes. Is it a list that Nick Saban would approve of? We'll find out next. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFN McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Cake day, I guess. I saw Nick Saban when he was talking about his favorite cake. Said that carrot cake was the best of all time. Wow, hot take, hot cake. I don't know if Nick Saban <laughs> is somebody that is uh, that everybody is going to be agreeing with. I saw a lot of people angry about his cake take on Twitter. Carrot cake isn't your number one, is it, Wes? No, I, um, I can't say that I've had it, actually. It looks pretty appetizing, but I don't know if I'd put that up at the top as my favorite cake. I'm not as angry as everybody else is on Twitter, but it certainly is not my favorite cake of all time. Is it cake day, and that's why he was asked about it? What what? Probably so. Made the no, question happen. No, he, he made some reference about his team... And he compared them to like a, a cake that you got to like bake and see what the final product is going to be. Okay. And so then like the follow up question was, so well, what's your favorite cake? Here's my thing. Miss Terry, which is his wife, sounds like a woman that makes a fantastic carrot cake. Who? What's his wife's name? Miss Ter- Her name's Terry. Uh huh. No, but the Miss makes it sound yeah, like, like she makes a better cake. Like I bet you, if you yeah. if you show up there and she brought out a carrot cake, mm-hmm. that thing's probably the bomb.com. Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. All right. So in light of Nick Saban's comments, Fitty decided to list his top five favorite cakes of all time. Go ahead and lead off the list, Fitty. Number five. All right, guys. I'll go ahead and just put this out there. Carrot cake did not make my top five list of favorite cakes. <laughs> but number five, and I think Walker, I think you have an issue with this. Maybe I'm wrong on this. 
I went with good old-fashioned birthday cake. Yeah, I don't know if we've talked about a problem that I have with it, but birthday cake wouldn't make my top five list. It's not great. Anytime that it would be my birthday, I would ask for something other than birthday cake. Now, the icing does matter. If the icing is good and it's not the fake where it tastes at, has like a an hour-long weird aftertaste after you eat it, that's the kind of birthday cake that is the absolute worst. So I will eat it. I do like birthday cake if it has the right type of icing, but I don't think it would make my top five list. Yeah, I like birthday cake, especially when you talk about flavors, man. Birthday cake ice cream is pretty good. I've had a birthday cake Kit Kat that is pretty good. Oh, so I've I seen do those. like birthday cake. That is a great flavor. I'm down. I co-signed this 100%. What you got, Fitty? Number four. Man, number four is is pretty personal because uh, our show mom, Wes's mom, Miss Fonda, made some pound cake for us. Uh, I guess now it's been a month. Mm-hmm. Yes. And now I personally requested more pound cake to which hasn't been delivered. Yeah, you talk about Skrilla. You need to go ahead and show up with some money. And the biggest reason why is because I bet if she gave it to Wes, Wes would just ate it because she made the best pound cake I've ever had. Well, we appreciate that. I'm definitely... <sighs> She'll love to hear that. She is the show mom. You're right about that. And she did make <laughs> the best pound cake. That that stuff was very, very good. I got a couple more pieces. It did kind of derail me from my eating healthy thing that I was trying to do, but it doesn't matter because it Didn't was so good. Didn't you hide good. it from your girl? I don't want to get you in trouble, but I, I gave you two pieces, and then I was like, did you give it to your girl? You're like, oh, nah, I no, I didn't. No, I'm not in trouble. <laughs> Wait, were you asking if my girlfriend was going to get mad at me because I was eating pound cake? Well, maybe you hid the fact from her. You see me trying <laughs> no. to stir up a little trouble here. Maybe you hid the fact from her that you were... Uh, that you had some pound cake no. and didn't share. No, no. Um, yeah. Maybe she's mad at me now. Maybe you did just get me in trouble after asking me about that. Yeah. No, I think it I think it should be all good. I think I can go back to the house tonight and be okay. All right. What's number three? Number three. Number three, man. I was talking about this list with the Mac and Bone guys. And, and so for me, it, I, I have vanilla cake listed right here. Bone declared that he likes vanilla cake better than he likes chocolate cake. Yeah, that's a... I mean, look, I bet a lot of people do, not me. Vanilla cake, I guess, what's the difference between that and birthday cake? Yeah, I would think not much. I think ice, uh, I think birthday cake has the sprinkles either mm-hmm. in it or yeah. on it. So, yeah, that's my only question. Is there enough of a difference? Do you have to have the sprinkles, and is that the only thing that disting- distinguishes it enough from it being birthday cake to vanilla cake? Yeah, I, I was just like, I, I gave him the opportunity to recorrect his statement because mm-hmm. it was false. <laughs> and then he just doubled down. He's like, yeah, vanilla cake's better than chocolate cake. And, well, I disagree. Okay. Yeah, I I just want to know how much of that. I've never referred to a whole lot as vanilla cake. If it's vanilla cake, I might just call it birthday cake. Mm. I, could be, I could be wrong about that. I'm not well-versed enough on my cakes. All right. Next one. Number two. Number two. This one was almost number one. I went with cheesecake. I, I like it just a regular piece of cheesecake, you know, just, you know, the, the, the plain Jane stuff. But I've gone to the Cheesecake Factory. And whenever you get creative and you want to just try something new, they've got 1,800 different flavors you can try, and it never disappoints. Chocolate cheesecake especially. That is something I could eat a whole cake of be fat but also just continue to eat it until there's no longer any left i mean it's it's amazing cheesecake deserves to be on this list i'm happy that you have it in the top two no question about it i love cheesecake i haven't been to the cheesecake factory in quite some time and i've only ever been once 
But, uh, yeah, cheesecake, you can't beat it. Um, just went to cookout for the first time in a very long time over the weekend. Yep, chocolate cheesecake combo milkshake. That's what mm. I got, and it was delicious. Yeah, have you ever got their cheesecake? Yeah, for sure. Pretty it's good. very good. All right. Number one. Number one. Number one, I talked about it when talking about vanilla cake. I went with double chocolate cake. That's what my mama makes. It is diabetes on a plate. <laughs> it's so good that a man from our church came and tendered her, or not tended, she, he landscaped her whole entire yard, but would not take money, just asked her to make him a simple cake. And that's that's what he did, and it's... <sighs> It's why I'm that's why I'm overweight. <laughs> it's the double chocolate cake. Yes. The double chocolate cake is a good one. Um ones the, the cakes that I wanted to see in here. Ice cream cake was not listed. Not a big ice cream cake guy. Oh man, you combine the best of both worlds. It is glorious. Ice cream cake needs to be on this list. What about cookie cake? Is that uh, something that people like? I I've thought never about had that. one of those, but yeah, cookie cake is pretty good. And then cheesecake being on there, that works for me. So I like your list. I have no problems with this today. I think I co sign that list as well. I have no problem. Hunter said red velvet cake not on the oh, list. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a big prime. one. Oh, it's so disgusting. Oh, you don't like red what? velvet? It's, no. it's chocolate neighborhoody. No. It's one thing his... I got to give Fitty credit for, man. He, You definitely going to know where he stands. He's going to give you a strong opinion. Yeah, there's no gray area. Yeah, there's no way. <laughs> it's okay and none of that. He's Mm-mm. like, no. no. red velvet is trash, and that's how it is written. That's how it is. All right, we have one more hour to go. Scott Fowler going to be joining us at 2.20 to talk about <laughs> his interview with Armani Edwards in light of Team Week at being App State, but also the Miles Bridges press conference, Mitch Kupchak's comments from today. We'll get to a lot with Scott Fowler. We also have to guess that rating. For Madden 24, new ratings released. We'll get to that in just a moment. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC.